This morning, uh, we're going to read out, out of this passage of scripture. I want to give a little bit of context this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And as Jesus liked to do, he would use parables or stories to kind of communicate what he was talking about. So he's trying to get people to understand what the kingdom of God is like. If you understand anything about scripture, when he talks about the kingdom of God, uh, sometimes it'll be phrased the kingdom of heaven. He's not necessarily talking about heaven. When he talks about the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, what he's actually talking about is is, uh, you heard, heard in the scripture when the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And, and uh, Jesus responds, pray like this. Thy father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God isn't just trying to get you to heaven. God is actually trying to work to get heaven to actually operate in your earth. Why? This is really what you're looking for. The thing that you're looking for, you're never really fully going to find it here because you're really looking for heaven. Heaven is a place of perfection where there is not fear. There is not torment. There is not guilt. There is not shame. There is not tragedy. All of the things that you think in your mind, man, if life could just look like that, you know what that looks like? That's heaven. So what he's talking about when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying the way that you get God's heaven to be incorporated into your earth is by understanding how his kingdom works. And if I can understand how his kingdom works, then I have the ability, this is what he's saying, to get not just to go to heaven, but to get heaven to start working in my life. This matters to me because this is what I'm looking for. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in this story. He's kind of going through uh, several different parables, and this is one of them saying, this is, this is how the kingdom of God works. If you want to get heaven, if you want to get things that are opposite of what you're seeing, if you want to see change in your life, here's kind of the, the thoughts and the ideas that you kind of have to adhere to. I want to challenge you this week to take this scripture, even in your own devotional time, and I want you to read it uh, from a few different translations. If you're taking notes, write this down. Read it from the message translation. Read it from uh, the Passion Translation, and then read it from uh, the Phillips Translation. It's really important because even as I read this text this morning, I'm going to use some of those uh, excerpts. So Matthew chapter 25, 25, speaking of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, he says, it's also like this. It's like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, and to another $2,000, and to a third he gave $1,000. He says this, depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The text says the second did the same, but the man with the single thousand instead dug a hole and carefully, everybody say carefully, carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him and said, this good work. You did your job well. The Passion Translation says, because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. From now on, you will be my partner. The servant with 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. The Passion Translation says, because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. From now on, be my partner. Now, the servant given 1,000 said this, Master, I know how you have high standards and how you hate careless ways, and that you demand the best. And you make no allowances for error. And here's the bottom line. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so here's what I did. I actually found a great hiding place, and I secured your money. So here it is. All the money that you gave me, safe and sound, down to the last cent. In my mind's eye, I'm thinking, well, that's a pretty good idea, but this is what the master says. The text says the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live, he says. 
He says it's actually criminal, criminal, criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. So he says this, catch this. He says, take the thousand that you have and instead give it to the one who risked the most. The Phillips translation adds this, for the man who has something will have more given to him and will have plenty. But as for the man who has nothing, even his nothing will be taken away. And he says this, and get rid of this, play it safe. That's what he calls him, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. When I was uh, kind of approaching junior high, I remember there was this big kind of uh, shift for me as it pertained to relationships. When, when you're growing up in the younger part of your, uh, your, your life, it seems like everybody can just all be friends. Uh, but then you kind of have that shift where we kind of divide into different cliques and sects of people and groups where you have uh, the popular people. You have the unpopular people. Uh, you have people that maybe are athletic and they're the people, the athletes who are into sports. You have people who are maybe into skating and things of that nature. You have people that are maybe into theater and acting. And I can remember in junior high uh, when it kind of hit me that, okay, oh, we all can't just be friends anymore. Do you remember what this is like? Do you remember kind of maybe those moments where maybe you first realized that, oh, it's not just everybody likes everybody. And I very quickly realized that I, was, I wasn't a part of like the popular it crowd. Um, I, I I had a great group of friends. I had actually really great friends, people that uh, I enjoyed a lot, but I wasn't part of the it crowd. I wasn't a part of the in crowd. I wasn't a part of the group that everybody thought were like cool and, and popular. And it was funny to me how we would all, as the unpopular kids, or the people who weren't where everybody, you know, the people that not everybody idolized them to, you know, be and want to be those people, how we would behave when those people walked by. Like we may be laughing and telling jokes and doing our things, but all of a sudden when the popular kids would walk by, we'd be quiet. Like if we're in a class, and there was a joke, like we didn't laugh at the joke unless the popular kids thought that it was funny. Like, you know what I'm talking about? They laugh, then I laugh. I remember I would think to myself, man, what would it be like to hang out with the popular kids? What, what would it be like if I was one of the popular ones? And the bottom line is, you're like this today. Like, we think to ourselves, what would it be like to be friends with a celebrity? Like, what if I knew a professional athlete? Like, what would it be like to just actually be in the limelight and be famous and, and know people? It's part of our human tendency. I'll never forget the day when I was in one of my classes that I happened to have uh, with one of the uh, kids who was part of the popular crowd, he leaned over to me. He's like, hey, Nick, he's like, how about you come hang out with us at the tree today? The tree was like the cool place that all of like the, the it was like the place that all like the popular kids hung out. Like we hung out behind the you know, backstop. They were hung out at the tree. And so I remember thinking like, oh, like I got to go to the tree, you know, like it was going to be the best day of my life. Like what a gift. You know what I mean? Like look at God opening doors for me. What a gift to be able to hang out with the popular kids. <laughs> so I got excited and uh, I ditched all my real friends at recess, junior high, ditched all my real friends at recess to go hang out at the tree. And when I get over to the tree, uh, hanging out with all the cool kids. And I got to tell you, it was the most awkward, miserable recess hour of my life. The whole time that I was hanging out with the cool kids at the tree, I wished I was back with my friends that were actually my real friends, the people that I had. This is how life is. We, we, we buy into, I talk about this a lot. We buy into this, their complex that if that the gift that I'm looking for is somehow out there, if I could have that, then I would surely be happy. 
If I could know those people, if those people knew my name, if my friend circle was different, if I got around people that were entrepreneurs and everybody was driven to be entrepreneurs, like these famous people that are out there doing it, my life would be different. We think that the gift is out there, but the reality is no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you hustle, no matter how hard you search and how hard you reach, the gift is not out there. You're going to come to the same realization that I came to, that the gift is not hanging out with the kids at the tree. You already have the gift. You just don't see it. I've come this morning just to remind somebody. Can I remind you today that I know life can be hard? I know life can be difficult. I know that you have a lot of things that you wish were different. I know that you're frustrated in your relationships. You're frustrated with your finances. You're frustrated with your mental health issues. You're frustrated with politics. But I'm here to tell you today that the fact that you're alive, the fact that you can go, it's a gift. The gift is not out there. The, 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 the gift is, is here. Let me, I, I printed this thing out. This is a, a just think about it. Just some perspective. Uh, this study was done by uh, MSN Money, and they, they, they did this. If you, if you have $2,200, let's just talk financially this morning. Like, let's not just talk about the gift of life. Let's talk about financially this morning. If you have $2,200 to your name in assets, like if you, have, if you add up anything that you own and it, and it totals up to $2,200, in this world, you're rich. Uh, $2,200 per adult place a person in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest. Think of, let that sink in for all of you that think that you don't have anything and how horrible life is because we don't have any money. If you have $2,200 in assets, you're in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest. If you made $1,500 last year, if you made $1,500 last year, you're in the top 20% of the world's income earners. Isn't that bizarre? If you have sufficient food, decent clothes, live in a house or, or an apartment, and you have an, a reasonably reliable means of transportation, get this statistic, you are among the top 15% of the world's wealthy. Can you think about that this morning? I'm here to tell somebody today, I know it can be dark, but the fact that you're here today is a gift. And... And I'm right there with you. The bottom line is sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift. I mean, when you're struggling just to keep your head above water, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Your kids are acting crazy. It seems like your relationships are always on the rocks. This life sometimes doesn't feel like it's a gift. But the bottom line, the reason why I feel like my life isn't a gift is most of the time because I'm comparing the gift that I have to the gift that somebody else has. You, you, and I want to say, I don't want to preach this. I want you to write this down and get it. You have to be determined to combat comparison in a culture that condones it. Like I'm talking about war. I'm talking about, I will not compare what I have been given and the life that I have to the life of anybody else. All comparison does is make you feel worse about your situation. You've got to be determined that I will combat, I will fight, I will war against comparison in a culture, in a world, in a society that condones it and says it's okay. Everything in our life leads us to compare. Social media leads us to compare. All of these things that are great tools and great resources to help us educate ourselves and move our lives forward can also be our enemy if we don't consciously war against it. The thing that you are looking for is not going to be found in having somebody else's life. You have been given your life intentionally. And I don't know all of the reasons as to why. 
When we read in this text, each person is given something. The text says according to their ability. All I know is that we have different reasons we were put on the face of the planet. I don't have all of the answers of why you were born into the family you were born into and how come you were raised and how come stuff happened to you when you were young that was so horrible and I empathize with you and I sympathize with you and I'm, I think it's unjust and it's evil. I can't understand all of those things. But I do know as it pertains to certain aspects of your life, God has given you certain things, your personality, certain things that, that in, in, in your life for the sake of, of you accomplishing things that he's put you on the face of the planet to do. But as for the rest, you're going to have to wait till you get to heaven to ask God, God, what was up with that? God, what was it? Why did I go? Why did I go through that situation? I don't have, have those answers, but here's, here's what I can tell you. Where you end up in life isn't dependent upon what you have. Where you end up in life is dependent upon what you do with what you have. If this is, this is what this text is teaching us. The way the kingdom of God works What is the situation you've been begging God to make better? Begging God to make more like heaven. The way the kingdom of God works, the way I get God's way of doing things involved in my life, isn't dependent upon what I have. It's dependent upon what I do with what I have. What I do with what I've been given. And the bottom line is you've been given something. But the thing about a gift, it's just like any other gift. A gift only becomes pivotal, important, can be enjoyed when it is put to use. You checking with me this morning? I can give you a car. I can give you money. I can give you new clothes. What are you dreaming of today? I I can give it to you, but it's still just a gift until you actually put it to use. A car is just a car until you drive it and experience all of the things that you can experience behind the wheel of a car. And the same is true with your life. Your, Your life is a gift. But you'll never experience the fullness of the gift that you've been given, hear me today, until you put it to use. This should be freeing to somebody today. To realize that where I end up in life doesn't depend on what I've been given or what I have or the family that I grew up in. It's actually dependent upon how I handle the things that I've been given. How are you dealing with what you have? What, do you, what are you doing with what you have? I, I, you know what I'm kind of prone to is talking about the things that I don't have or the things that I want. But the Bible says the way the kingdom of God works, the way I get heaven to invade my earth, the way I get the things that I'm actually looking for is to pay attention to the things that I do have and do things, do something with what I have. You have something. And I want to kind of talk through this story because it gives us options of what we're doing with it. What are you doing with what you have? Number one, you're maybe multiplying it. You're taking notes, write this down. Option number one, what am I doing with what I have? I'm I'm multiplying it. This is where we all want to be. This is, this is the goal. This is, this is the whole idea. What is multiplying? I'm taking what I have and I'm making it better. Okay. I'm, t- I'm taking what, what I, not what I, not what I want. I'm taking what I do have and I'm making it better. This is what God is looking for. If you want to get God's kingdom, this is what God is saying. He, he says to the one who's taken his investment and made it better. He says, well done, good and faithful servant into the one. Here's here's kind of the principle. When I take what I have and I make it better, God makes better what I have. So why does this matter? What are the things you're begging God to fix? How do I get them fixed? Not by going after the things that I want by taking care of what I have. What, what do you have? I have relationships. I have finances. I have my job. I have my relationship with God. I have my mind, my will, my emotions. I have my spirit, 
What, what are you doing with the things that you have? When I take what I have and I make it better, God has the ability to make better what I have. Sometimes this is challenging because you know what this requires? This requires work. And, and, and for us, for those of us that have been a part of, 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 the, of the Christian community for some length of time, prayer can't take the place of work. Prayer, prayer can't take the place of work. This is what I love about this text. It says as soon as the first two were given what they were given, immediately they went to work. That's what the text says. Immediately they went to work. I think we have this tendency uh, to pray for, to, we, we pray about things that we should be working for and we work for things that we should be praying for. Isn't this, isn't this the, the, the human nature? Isn't this human nature? We, we ask, we pray for God, God, you know, can you just please help me get fit? Help me get skinny. Help me take, you know, be hel- I just want to be healthy. God, you, you, you can't pray the fat away. I know, I know, I know you want to pray that the calories go to somebody else to the skinny mini over in the corner, right? But you can't, you can't, you can't pray the calories away. You're going to have to work. You can't, you can't, God, would you please make me smarter? No, you got to educate yourself. Crack open a book, get on YouTube and learn something. But I think a lot of times we, we buy into this idea that God, please, God, please. And God's saying, when you take what you have, here's what he's looking for. He's not looking for you to make it perfect. He's just looking for you to make it better. To take, to take the, 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 the relationships that are, that are in turmoil. And can you move it down the field just to 0.01%? Like, are you doing something to actually, to actually make it better, to, to increment? I say, I, can, I know I can't make it perfect, but I can, I can fight to make it better. I can push it down the field a little bit. Here's, here's what, the, what the principle is. I have to embrace this idea of, of work because and, and work, in essence, can be painful. But I have to understand that, that pain now means provision later. I'm dropping nuggets today. Write these down. Pain now equals provision later. We want provision now and pain later. Like, I, I need what I need now. I got bills to pay. I, my, my relationships suck. I need help, God. Can you please? Pain, pain now, investment now means provision later. What, what, what is painful? Here's some practical examples. You know what's painful? To work on my attitude. Is anybody with me this morning? You know what sucks about a bad mood is when you have a bad mood, you don't feel like working on your mood. You know, it's painful working on my attitude, having to say, man, I got, I got to work on my disposition. I got to work on the way that I treat people. I got to work on the way that I respond to people. I got to work on the way that I'm making people feel. It's, it's, it's painful. But here's, here's the provision. Here's what it provides. It provides an ability to function in the midst of intense situations. You ever find yourself in a place where all of a sudden now I just can't even control my attitude. And it's just like rage and watch out. Like Hulk is coming out. Like the reason that that happens is because I haven't embraced pain in the beginning of the journey. If I would embrace pain today, I would experience provision later. What are we talking about? Multiplying what I have, pushing what I have down the field in all aspects and areas of life. Here's another thing that's painful. You know what's sometimes painful? To face your finances. Some, some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, you have, you're the kind of people that you know when you go to make a withdrawal out of the ATM and it says, do you like a receipt? And you're like, no, because I don't even want to look at what's in there. <laughs> right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm the only one that's ever been there. And then it spits out that little paper and you say, no, devil, not today. And you just walk away and leave it there. <laughs> it can be, it can be, it's, it's painful. It's painful in life sometimes to embrace your reality. 
But if I don't embrace the pain, the, the work of today, I will ne- hear me today. Maybe this, is the, maybe this is a major key for you. I will never experience provision later, later. I'll never get all of these things that I'm praying and begging God for. I'll never actually see them in my life. And here's the devastating thing. I'll live my life thinking that this God stuff doesn't work. I'll live my life giving attributes to God that doesn't belong to him, that he gives and he takes away. And he, he doesn't really care about all situations, not because he doesn't care, but because I've allowed my situation to define the God that I believe in rather than sticking with it, embracing pain and allowing God to redefine the situation that I'm experiencing. What God is looking for, and this is really where we all want to be in a place of multiplication, when we're pushing it down the field. What I'm really saying today is some of us know things, man, we've been putting things off. We can't put things off anymore. We've got to be willing to, to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and say, okay, what do I have? How can I make it a little bit better? Because when I take what I have and I make it better, God can make better what I have. Here, here's the second place you might find yourself in as it pertains to what you're doing with what you have. You may be maintaining what you have. This is, if, if I'm honest, I think in most areas of my life, as I kind of begin to journey through this study and understand this, I think in most areas of my personal life, I found myself maintaining what, what I found out is this whole idea of maintenance I've always seen is like stewardship. Stewardship meaning take care of what I have. Well, God gives you take care of it. If you can just sustain and, and maintain and keep the plate spinning. So my idea is I take care of my... If we can just keep marriage good, decent, like things all right. If I can keep my kids just nobody's killing each other, I think we're going to be all right. If I can just, man, keep paying the bills, I think that things are going to... This idea of stewardship, what's crazy when you read in the text to the person who has maintained, which means they give back to God just what he has given to them. In, in other words, let's, let's even try to despiritualize it. You take things in your life and you don't try to push them forward. You become content with just what is. Comfortable with, 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 with what is. This is what I have seen as spiritual stewardship. And the text says that it's a terrible way to live. Whoa! For me, it's like this way that I've been approaching faith and approaching my life. I've actually been approaching it in a way that is never going to... It's a, it's a terrible way to live. I end up maintaining. If I can just maintain what's going on in my mind, if I can just maintain what's going on in my marriage, if we can just keep this going, for you to become content with where your blank is at, the Bible says it's criminal. It's, it's, break, it's breaking law. It's breaking... It's, it's in opposition. Here's what it's in. It's in opposition to what God is trying to do in your life. What is God trying to do in your life? Get his kingdom to be evident in your life. Get a little bit of heaven on your earth. Those things that you've been praying for, he's been trying to get those things to you. But when I maintain, it's actually breaking the law that would create a space for God to be able to do what God wants to do. So, so when you, here's, the, here's kind of like the principle or the idea. When I do basic, I get basic. When I do basic, life is basic. When I do average, life is average. When I maintain in life, life is just going to stay the same. So, so the areas of your life, and here's, this is not an attacking conversation. I'm trying to help you see that God has more for you. If, if you could wrap your mind around the fact and say, what, if, what have you been begging God to make different? Okay, what are you doing as it pertains to that area? Are you just sitting, waiting, wishing, and maintaining? Like, please come through, like down here, because I'm just, I'm just, I'm just maintaining. If you're maintaining, it's, it's never going to work. Because things that I maintain will, will stay in maintenance mode. It's this whole principle of when I do basic, it ends up basic. If I do better, my life, my life gets better. How much better? 0.01%. Just push the ball down the field and to, to whom, to whom, uh, to those of us that take care of what we have, do something with what we have, as the text says, more 
is given to those people. I don't think most of us want to maintain. I think we get trapped. I think we get stuck. I think we get trapped like just like this guy did. I don't think the guy in this story wanted to maintain. In fact, we know that he doesn't because he responds to the master and gives him four different reasons as to why he has been maintaining the things that have been given to him. I want to explore these today. Here's, here's number one. The first reason he says, I just maintain what you've given me is because, because of the high standard. And I know you have a high standard. I think a lot of times we maintain in life because we see where we want to be and we realize the reality of how far we are from it. You ever been in a position where it's just like, what, what's the use? Why try? I'll never have what they have. I, 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 I haven't had the right cards dealt to me in my life to have what they have. I think we miss out on a life of multiplying and pushing things forward. And we settle for a life of just managing and maintaining what we have because we think the standard is so high. Let me remind you that God is not looking for perfection out of you. He is looking for progress. He is looking for the 0.01% you have in your life. You have an ability not to be perfect. None of us in this, I, 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 we could never, we could never even come close, but we can progress. Here's the other thing. Who, whose standards are you trying to measure up to? Because usually they're standards that you've created or idolized for yourself or that you've picked up as it pertains to looking at the lives of other people. You have to realize that the standards sometimes that you're trying to attain, attain to are not real God standards. What is God's standard? Progress. Trust Him. Take a step. The Bible says everything in scripture, everything in life is here a little, there a little. Rejoice for the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his what? His, his steps. That's all God's looking for. Not perfection, but progress. Okay. So I have to, in my life, realize no matter how much I, and I think sometimes the reason that the standards seem so high is I have so much going on. For some of you today, you got to cut out some of the things that you have going on. Bottom line is sometimes we have too much going on to be actually pushing the things in our life forward. And I know we want to do a lot and we want to experience a lot, and I think that you should. But at the same point, you got to realize and remember the things that you want to change will not change by just sitting, hoping, and wishing, and praying, and fasting. You're going to have to, at some point, do something with what you've been given. so that God, Make what you have better so that God can make better what you have. Here's the other reason. Here's another reason. Reason number two. Why I think sometimes we maintain. He, sa he says, I know you have high standards. And then he says this. I also know that you hate careless ways. He says that he maintained because he knew the master hated careless ways. What's troubling about this to me is, remember when we were reading this text, I had you re repeat a word. It said that he actually carefully buried the master's money. So he knows that the master hates careless ways, yet he carefully buried the money. If you're being careful, why are you worried about being careless? Why are you worried about the fact that this master hates careless ways if you're being careful? Because I think sometimes, um, sometimes being careless isn't that you're not careful. Sometimes being careless is the fact that you're too careful. The, the, man, the man is burying the finances that have been given to him. Why? Because if I don't hide this, somebody's going to steal it. If I'm not in control of this, if I don't make sure that this money is taken, sometimes in life being careless is not that you're not careful. Sometimes being careless is the fact that you're too careful. When you hold on to anything too tight, like it's the only thing that matters. As long as you're holding on to the reins of your life, there's no room for God to get his hands on the reins of your life. When you hold on to your money, like money is all that matters. There's no space for God. God to be able to get involved in the midst of your money. When you hold on to your reputation, like, oh God, what are they going to think? When you hold on, sometimes in the midst of me trying to be careful, 
It's me being careful that it's actually me really being careless because I'm trusting in my own strength rather than God's own strength. Sometimes, sometimes in order to keep from being careless as it pertains to this God principle, I have to actually determine in my heart that I'm going to care less. And sometimes in my life, in order to not be careless, I'm going to have to care less. Meaning, I'm not going to be the one who thinks that I'm the one driving the ship and managing all my... I'm not the, I'm not the one that determines the outcome of my life. I'm, I'm going to care less about my reputation so I can entrust it with God and get His hands on the reins. I'm going to, I'm going to care less about this job that I think that I hate. I'm going to quit stressing over the fact that it's not the job that I want. I'm going to, instead, I'm going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to give God a reign. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be careless, but sometimes in life, in order to, in order to be careful, I have to put myself in a position where I'm trusting God more. Tracking with me this morning? So th- here's, here's another, uh, another reason. He hates, hates careless ways. The next one is this. He says, uh, I, I maintain because you hate careless ways. He says, here's number three. I, I maintain because I know that you demand the best. I know that you demand the best. I think sometimes in life, we just don't feel like giving our best. Have you ever, have you ever been there? I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I've been doing this job a long time. I've been raising these kids for 16 years. We only have two more to go. And I just don't feel. I think that they will fend for themselves. They can figure out. <laughs> my mom, my parents used to have fin for yourselves nights. Like that's was like, a, what are you going to eat tonight? It's a fin for yourself night. Like you just dig into those cupboards. <laughs> I heard an amen back there in the corner. Yeah, I hear you, Dorothea. All right. <laughs> I think sometimes in life we, we, we don't, we, and that's just, that's just being silly. But I think in life, sometimes we just don't feel like giving our best. We live in a society that conditions us to be apathetic. Like, just chill, dude. Let's just chill. You know what I mean? Like, let's just, you've worked, you deserve, you deserve it, right? Like, isn't that the thing? Like, you, you deserve it, right? And I think sometimes in life, it's great. I think that there's times that we should, you know, recreationally take care of ourselves and all of these kinds of things. But at the end, if you don't give your best in life, you will never get the best out of life. Did you hear me this morning? If you don't, if, what is, what is the, if you don't give the best to your marriage, you're never going to get the best out of your marriage. If you don't give the best to your kids, you will never get the best out of your kids. If you don't give the best part of your intellect and your strategy and your trust in God in the midst of your finances, you're never going to get the best out of your finances. This is the principle. So instead, he maintains. He settles. Why? Because he knows that the master demands the best. I don't think he felt like giving his best. Man, don't allow this apathetic trend to keep you from stepping up to the plate. Even in a job that, man, you don't like, that you've been there for 10 years. Man, the key to you getting to the place that you want is by doing better with what you have. And let me just say this. What God is destined for you, no man can keep you from. Sometimes we feel like we are hidden from God, but sometimes God is protecting you. Sometimes you think that God doesn't see see you and how is it going to happen if I don't get out there and hustle and network and make myself known? If you trust God, nothing can keep you from the place that God has planned for you. Have more confidence in the master than that. Hey, so if I don't give my best, I will never have the best. The last reason he says, he says, I know that you demand the best. And he says this, "I, I know that you also make no allowances for error. You make no allowances forever, for, for error. I think sometimes, we talked about this last week, the reason we maintain the things that we have is because we're afraid of what might happen if I risk it. 
I'm afraid of what might happen if I go for it. I'm afraid of what might happen if I tell them I love them and they don't love me back. I'm afraid of what might happen if I bring up a conversation and I say that I'm sorry. And they say, get out of my face. What are you talking about? I don't want to talk to you. I'm afraid of what might happen if I actually step out and try to make what I have better. And at some point, you're going to have to embrace this principle. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again before we're done. God is not looking for perfection out of you. You don't have to be. You can fail. Can, can I free somebody this morning? God says it's okay for you to fail. When we fail, you know what we're failing? We're failing forward. We're failing into the hands of God. God is not looking for perfection for you. In fact, he says, he says to the person that plays it safe, to the person who won't confront fear, he says, take, take this play it safe and get rid of them. Throw, throw them out. In other words, he's not even on, he's not even on the radar. Wow. The person who plays it safe, they're not even on the radar. For what? For getting heaven to work in their life. Not for salvation. You're on your way to heaven. You're on your way to heaven. But you're not even on the radar in maintenance mode, in fear mode, in getting heaven, in getting what God has to work in your life if you don't have the tenacity to step out. Not always easy. So that's why most people stay in maintenance mode. So maintain so some, so here's the ways that you can respond or do with what you have. You multiply what you have, you maintain what you have, or number three, this. Some of us are just missing what we have. Mean, meaning, we, we can't, we don't, we really don't think that we have anything. We don't think that, let me say it like this, we don't think that what we have is significant. This is what's kind of crazy about this text to me, because he says this about this type of person. He says, to the person who has, more will be given. And to the person who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away. To the person who doesn't have, even what he has, to the, wait, does he have or does he not have? To the person who doesn't have, even what he has. Sometimes you can have things, but not see that you have things. Not, not see what you have. Because my relationships are so broken. My, my finance, what money? For as, for, for, for as much money as I'm making, it's going right back out. What, what, what do I have to even push forward in my life? If you know the journey that I've walked, if you, if you knew, Nick, my story, I, I surely don't have anything. I was taken advantage of as a kid. I, I, didn't, grow up in the, I didn't grow up in the right family. I've tried this stuff before, and uh, it all ended bad. I gave it my best attempt before, and it did not turn out like I think I wanted it to. And sometimes because of past experiences and past pains and past hurts and past tragedies, we miss out on the fact that you, you, you still have something. I'm here to tell somebody that you have more than you think. You have, you have more than you think. You, you have more than you think. He's not looking for perfection. Sometimes I think it's like this. You got to come to God, and you got to suck up your pride. You say, hey, I don't, I don't think you'll even want this. When I look at the people around me and I look at their life, they don't think what I have is special. I've always been overlooked. I've always been bypassed. It seems like every two steps I take forward, they push me three steps back. I think sometimes you got to come to God and say, I don't have much. But God, here's, here, here's my, my best. I think sometimes we don't give our best because uh, 
because the people around us have never valued me giving my best. Can I tell you, if there's anybody who knows what this is like, it's God. To give his only son for all of humanity. To give his very best knowing that most of humanity as we do today in our world and our civilization and our life, they turn, I don't know about that God stuff. He gave his very best knowing that people wouldn't appreciate his very best, but it wasn't about that. It's not about that for you today. God's not looking for people to understand and prove of what you do. This is why we can't compare our best to the best of somebody else. We all have different versions. And, 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 and the person that is struggling, sir, ma'am, boss, overseer, entrepreneur, and you look and you say, man, I'm just, they're so lazy. They might be giving their best. They, they, might, they might be doing their best. Spouses. I know you're frustrated with one or the other, but maybe they're not as lazy as you think they are. Maybe they're not as careless as you think. Maybe they're, maybe they're doing their best. And here's, here's, the, here's the dangerous thing. People who, understand this, it was given to them according to their ability. We have different capacities. Why? I don't know. We have different capacities. There's different things that we're supposed to do. We have, our plates can only hold so much. Some of us can hold more. Here's the dangerous thing about those that can hold more. There's some of you that are gifted in this place that everybody thinks, oh, you're so good at what you do. The tragedy is, you know, you're not giving your best while everybody else thinks that you are. And the sad part about it is you can't fool God. So, so it's not working for you. And just you sometimes I'll do this. I'll believe the press that because everybody else thinks that I'm doing my best and I'm good at some things, a few different things. I'll start buying into the fact that I'm giving my best and God will say, Nick, hold it. You're not, you're not giving your best. You, everybody else may think you're giving your best, but you know, in the recesses of your heart, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you are judgmental and critical at everybody else because they don't have the same capacity as you yet in the capacity that I have given you, you are not even using it to its fullest extent. I, if I can be vulnerable and real with you, I had to last night after this is part of being a preacher. We have to, I go to my wife and I said, babe, I have to apologize to you. Because God's shown me areas. You may think that I'm doing great, but God has shown me areas where I'm not giving, I'm not giving my best. Some of, some of you parents can relate. Life is busy. Life is hard. And you think, am I giving my best to my kids? I, I think I could do better. I think I can do better. Are you giving your best to your job? I think, I think I can do better. Are you giving your best to these finances that you're begging God to change? I think, I think I can do better. I think I could steward more. I think I could step up to the plate. I think I could trust God more. I think I can fill myself with his word more so that my mind can be renewed to what he thinks, not what I think. I think that I can be giving more. And the bottom line is, this is really what all God is looking for. Multiply? What? What is, what is he saying? He says, just, just give me your best. In fact, the text says, he responded to the man that was maintaining. And he says, if you knew that I was after the best... That's what he's after. Why did you give to me less than the least? I think in our lives, if we would just be determined in our heart, you know what? If I want to see the best in my marriage, if I want to see the best in my finance, if I want to see the best in my relationships, I want to see the best that pertains to my mental health for some of you today, then I need to ask, am I giving my best to that area? Because when I give my best, 
I get God's best. When, when, when I give, let me just, let's just simplify it. For those of you maybe even new to this church space, when I give my best, I get the best. When I give the best to my relationships, I will get the best out of my relationships. This is the principle. When I take what I have and I make it better, God makes better what I have. Here's my question for you this morning. Yeah, you can clap. Here's my question for you this morning. It's real simple. What are you doing with what you have? What, let's say it like this too. Like, what are you begging God to change? What are you doing in that area to just make it, guys, 0.01% better? The little wins, the little victories. And then he says this, to the one who makes it better, I make what they made better, way better. He says, I will give to the one. He says, I'll give you much, much more. I think that's what we're all looking for. I think that's why we showed up today. We're looking for somehow, some way, and you may not define it as heaven, but I'm trying to get you to see that that's the place of perfection. And that's what you're in search of down here. You want your relationships to be good, your money to be good, your health to be good. Would you close your eyes to me all across this room? And uh, in just a second... Uh, Jamal is going to sing, and and here's what I, I want today. I, I man, I I really am burnt out on religion and just church and just showing up because we need something to do on Sunday mornings. But if God is real, then I do want everything that He has. And I think that you're probably in the same position. Like if if this God stuff is real, then I I desperately need it. And so I want to take a second, even as Jamal sings, and and remember this this best thing this. Making things, it's not between you and people. It's really between you and God because we can't hide from Him. So would you just evaluate maybe the recesses of your heart between you and Him and just communicate to Him. God, there's areas I want to give, I want to give my best. I haven't been giving my best in this and I want to do it. Maybe for you, some of you, you don't know. Maybe it's kind of like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Would you ask the Holy Spirit? Would you ask the Holy Spirit in this place? Would you ask God just maybe to speak to your heart just right where you're at? Come on, right where you're at, just maybe under your breath, in your thoughts, just between you and God, and just a quick moment of focus. The best is yet to come. You gave it all, so I can give it all. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. to be burdensome and he- heavy and full of guilt and shame. This should be inspirational and exciting and encouraging. Okay, we got it. That, that's how the kingdom of God works, God. All I got to do is just give my best and he meets me. Come on, all you got to do is just give your best and he meets you. Will you stand your feet just right where you're at? Just maybe just change your posture. Just for a second. We're almost done here today. Will you stand your feet just right where you're at? You're already here today, so just a few more minutes. Come on, you're already here today. God, we need to you. 
expectation. As we step up to the plate, maybe make some tweaks, we believe that the best is still coming. Come on, you lift your voice, stir your heart this morning. You have the responsibility to steward your soul. I just don't even know where to begin. It's funny because uh, this is what the, the master, I'm reminded of this, this is what the master says uh, to the person who was managing. He says, at least you could have gone to the bankers because basically they would have known what to do with the money. And I think sometimes in life where you don't know where to begin, this is the importance of, you know, we talk about all the great things we have going on at the church. That's the importance of getting immersed in Christian community. We have small groups coming up. One of the best things that you can do when you don't know what to do is talk to somebody who knows what to do. And I don't know where you find yourself today, but if you are at a, and this is super practical, I think this is what this weekend's kind of about, like, if you don't know what to do, man, hang out afterwards, come, we're going to have dream team members up in the front, like, come connect with somebody, I just don't know what to do, everything, see, give me perspective, give me a step, go to the bankers, they know what to do. In this place today, maybe you could just bow your heads one more time, I want to say this, maybe somebody's here, you've never made a decision to place your faith in Jesus, we believe it's the best that God ever gave humanity, and and the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's what gives you the ability, not just for eternity, but the stuff that we're talking about today, for things to start clicking. If you feel like life isn't clicking, I dare you to put your faith in something bigger than yourself. I believe that something is a someone and his name is Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I believe your heart probably compels you to do so. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud. In fact, we're a family, so nobody's going to pray alone today. But celebration, I want us to mean this with all of our heart. Can we say this out of our mouth? Would you pray this with me today? Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I say it out of my mouth. You are the Son of God. I believe you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. So I call you my Savior. You have saved me from myself. And I make you my Lord. I look to you for guidance. Say that, say, help me to live the life you made me to live. I trust you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pray that prayer today. We celebrate with you. In fact, right where you're at, nobody taking off just quite yet. Be seated right where you're at. Be seated right. We're going to be done in just a few minutes. If you prayed that prayer, there's decision cards in the seats around you. And just hang tight with me. Um, we want to be able to pray for you this week. We want to be able to connect with you. It's like I was talking about a second, second ago. You don't have to do this journey and try to figure it out on your own. Right now, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to worship God with your giving. It's something we do every single week. And so there's envelopes in the seats around you. They're going to put up some ways that you can give on, uh, on the screen. If you did pray that prayer in a second, uh, buckets are going to go by as they kind of give everybody an opportunity to give. We just put it in there, give it to a dream team member. We love uh, to connect with you. For us as a family, 
I'll say this and then uh, we'll, we'll move on. But I want to say this even about giving, because really this message is not about giving. It's about the, it's, it's, it's part of, partially that, but it's, it's more about your life. But I think it for sure applies to our giving, because I think many of us, um, we're, we're asking God to make our finances better. If you're asking God to make your finances better, my question to you is, well, what are you doing with what you have? That's the principle. And what am I doing with what I have? What am I saying? Are, are you trusting him with what you do have? So what does that mean? Well, we know the Bible talks about tithing, 10% of our income. Talk about giving, and it's bigger than just in a moment in church, but living a generous life, like giving. Man, if you want God to get involved in your money, you got you have to trust him with your money. It's what are you doing with what you do, do have? And so I think it's a great practical application for you today. Remember, this is not between me and you. This is between you and God. I'm saying he said it in the book. I didn't write it in the book. I'm just preaching it from the book. So if he said it, man, when you take what feels like a risk, isn't it funny what he said? He says to the person who, who wouldn't risk. Like, I think we all, don't we all kind of hate risk a little bit? Like, it makes us nervous. Like, it makes me nervous to have, like, let me be, I mean, be honest, even with giving, think about this principle. God says, this is God's principle. Like, this is so funny. Give and it will give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken. So I have to give in order. Well, that's risky because if I give, that means I'm letting go of something that I have. How does that? That's what is that? That's a risk. That that feels like like a risk. But if I choose to play it safe, what does God say? He says, "What? What a terrible way to live." Man, don't don't live terribly. Don't live don't live in a criminal fashion towards what God God has. I, I think if we can trust. God with what we do have and the, to the best, again, to the best of our ability, he, he won't let you down. I, I know that you've been let down by a lot of people, but the thing that I found out about God is God doesn't let you down. It doesn't always turn out like you think it's going to turn out. In fact, very seldom does it. But in the end, man, it's like, oh, you, oh yeah, you did way more than I thought you would do. Oh, way, wow. Like if I was on my own, I never would have made it through that. If you knew faith today, I know it can be hard to believe. What I'm saying to you is trust God. You, will, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. He's faithful. Let's pray. And then uh, let's pray. Jamal's going to sing one more time. And then Nabo will come and dismiss. So just hang tight with us. Let God remember we're a church that believes in moments. We, we don't want to miss out on what God has. God, today we just thank you for your truth, for your word. We thank you for what has been spoken into our hearts. God, we ask that by your spirit you would illuminate it. Meaning like somebody turned the lights on in a dark room and all of a sudden we can see. That today, these tools, these scriptures, these principles, we ask this week that they would be illumination. That we would see more in our life and what we're supposed to do than we've seen previously in the weeks past. God, many of us today are struggling financially, so many of us are ready today to take a step to trust you more. Some of us are still hesitant. Holy Spirit, just help us. You know right where we're at. For those of you that are hesitant today, I want you to hear me. It's okay. The Holy Spirit knows where you're at. He will lead and guide you. Trust him. Trust him to lead and guide you. So God, for those of us that are ready today to take a step and trust you more, even as it pertains to areas that we're asking for your help in, would you, would you help us? Would you take, as we take our step to do more with what we have, would you make what we have better? We trust you today. We look to you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, everybody said, let's give today. Jamal, lead us. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 